the Born to Be Mild podcast. Welcome back to another episode of your favorite sensible but sensational podcast, Born to Be Mild. This is your host, Ron Cabuno, and I am back from a little summer vacation, but not without a little bit of unfortunate news, guys. It looks like this fair show, which has been built boldly out of synchronized swimming through the mire of newsworthy happenings, will now be pared down to a solo freestyle effort. So if you haven't worked out which one of your noble hosts remains, I'll give you a hint, it me. Unfortunately, Pete and I had been running into a lot of scheduling conflicts lately, and we just weren't able to continue the show in its previous form. So I'd like to take this opportunity to say from the bottom of my heart, I thank him tremendously for all the time and effort he put into making this wonderful venture what it is today, and that hopefully sometime down the road we can link up again and digest the events of the previous week like we have been so accustomed to doing for the past six months. But with that said, I am excited about this new form of our show, well, my show, we'll be taking. Now, I wouldn't dare offer up 50% more of yours truly and just call it a day, because even I couldn't handle listening to that. So, while I will still be focused on bringing you the news and entertainment info that we've always done here, I'll also be bringing in outside opinions from a variety of guest hosts and interviews broadening the reach and the perspective of the show and giving you folks someone else to listen to besides this old gas bag. But for the most part, yeah, it's just me. Um, But it's going to be pretty damn fun. So strap on your AirPods, turn those bad boys up to 11, and enjoy the all-new Born to be Mild. On this week's show, we will run down another blisteringly painful and often idiotic week of news. Then we'll sit down for a chat with a real-life Goodyear employee who also happens to be a conservative and was a Trump defender until recently. And we will finish up the episode with the long-awaited debut of my wife, Brittany, who will be finally making her official first appearance on the pod. So stick around, it's going to be a great show. But first, let's recap the news. Sad face emoji. Oh, I wasn't supposed to say that out loud. Well, whatever. We start this week with the Postal Service, which isn't just a super chill emo band from the early aughts anymore. It's a full-fledged point of political contention, but it really shouldn't be considering it's far and away the most beloved sector the, the federal government has ever created. Trump has been talking about how voting by mail would be difficult and blundersome for months now, and over the last several weeks, his newly appointed post, postmaster general was intending on making sure that it was. And this is even worse than his war on Sesame Street. And when people of both parties started to hear the stories of not just a freeze put on overtime so that there was no backlog in mail service, but the truly dystopian scenes of large mail sorting machines being dismantled at local distribution centers and those beloved little blue boxes essentially being locked up or taken off of some familiar street corners, many folks around the country, but mostly Democrats, started absolutely losing their shit. So within a week's time, Congress was brought back from their recess early, DeJoy was made to testify, and pledged that he would not move forward with any more of the changes. Now, from what I've heard, the damage has already been done, and many of the sorting machines that were set for dismantling or decommissioning had already been unplugged or set outside in the rain for a rusty demise. But there was actually some places where it was reported that employees plugged these machines back in without authorization and said, hell with it. So that's kind of cool. But Trump's assault on a free and fair election certainly didn't stop there. Early in the week, when the bloated man-in-chief espoused that the only way he could possibly lose the election was if the uh, election was rigged, reporters followed up by asking White House press secretary and all-around bad person, Kaylee McAtorpy, if she would, or if Trump would accept the results of the election if he ended up losing. Uh, to which she horrifically replied, The president has always said he'll see what happens and make a determination in the aftermath. 
And to which the rest of the country replied, that's not how that works. And then asked itself, can he do that? Shit, he probably can. He seems to be able to do whatever the hell he wants. So I guess we'll see. Apparently a landslide is the only way this guy isn't going to go kicking and screaming out of office. Oh, and did I mention that he pledged to flood all the polling places, presumably in liberal, minority, and democratic areas of the country, with tons and tons of lawyers, as well as local law enforcement, and as many federal agents as he can get to suspend their morality, which heretofore has been quite a lot? In other words, sounds like everything is shaping up to be just fine. God help us all. Moving on. Last week, the Democrats were up first in a groundbreaking effort to bring the pomp, circumstance, and downright partisan lunacy of their nomination convention into the quarantined and digital age. And while it blew away any Jerry Lewis telethon on record in terms of substance, it barely edged it out in terms of style and presentation. The fightin' left came out swinging on opening night, with their main purpose essentially being to let you know just how damn big their tent was. Uh, they did so by having old man socialist Bernie Sanders come out and let you know that no matter how left of center you may be, it's still important as hell for you to set aside whatever divisive identity politics may be holding you back and get out there and vote for his fellow 70-something senator. It's not that Democrats are taking the progressive wing of the party for granted, but they kind of are. As was seen by rising star and former mixologist Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, had a 90-second speaking spot. I guess they just assume that if you know what's good for you and you truly hate Donald Trump, you'll get out there and vote against him November 3rd. But nothing showed where the Dems thought they could take make inroads more than having a failed presidential candidate and former governor of Ohio, John Kasich, come speak. This guy's administration presided over the passage of this crazy heartbeat bill, and yet the party still felt it important enough to have him come out to entice disenchanted conservatives that seriously cannot understand what the hell happened to their party and the one that they had championed for so many years. Now maybe he did it simply out of a grievance for Trump, but I found his inclusion to be effective for broadening the appeal and possible turnout for Mr. Biden. Uh, closing out the night was former first lady and all-around amazing woman Michelle Obama. Many feel, aside from Biden, she had the best speech of the week. She utilized the intimate format. Uh, she talked quietly but seriously about what the demon man has unleashed on our country's sense of decency, while also urging people not to let Trump fuck about with their votes, if at all possible. Urge them to apply for and mail in or take their ballots in ASAP. Day two saw the aforementioned AOC, John Kerry, Bill Clinton, yada, yada, yada. Well, uh, also Dr. Jill Biden, who reinforced once again Joe Biden's long and difficult and painful family history, coupled with his resilience, faith, and overall decency as a human being. Pretty effective if that's the kind of person you think should be running the country. But fans of asshole, unapologetic, and rapey strongmen were notably not impressed. Day three was decisively ladies' night, and there was no cover charge and free digital drink chips to go around for everyone. Somebody decided it was a good idea for Hillary Clinton to speak, and also Nancy Pelosi got to get her speakership on, and the nearly fatally wounded Gabby Giffords made an impassioned use of her time at the microphone as well. Elizabeth Warren got a chance to get professorial with it for a little while, and the true female star of the show, Kamala Harris, got to make her acceptance speech for the vice presidency. And while her speech, although decent, was seen as trying to be all things to all people in many regards, it was the closer of the night, Barack Hussein Obama, who decidedly wanted to be this a one-thing-to-one-person type speech, and that was to be a pain in the fucking ass for one Donald J. Trump. Obama was visibly upset while bringing up the legacy of recently departed John Lewis, and pulled no punches when giving his Amazon review of the Trump presidency. He argued that leading the nation was merely one more reality show he can use to get the attention he so desperately craves, and... 
tried to generally, uh, genuinely put the fear of God into his fellow Americans by saying that four more years of Trump is, which I rightly agree with, a threat to all of their democracy. To which Trump could be heard blowing a cheeseburger out of his ass immediately and began rage tweeting as soon as his little fingers could find the phone. I gave the Obama speech four stars and expect to see quite a bit more of him from now until November. The final night of the telethon, I mean convention, culminated in the acceptance speech of Vice President Biden. And in a lot of ways, I would have to agree with Frank Brunei's assessment from the New York Times that while Trump has tried to paint Joe as a doddering old nincompoop who is halfway asleep at the wheel, not only was he more than up for meeting the moment, delivering a passionate and relatable speech, but proved himself to be a paragon of stamina and stubborn optimism for a country that desperately needs one. Spot on assessment. If this is the Biden that Trump meets in the debates, he has even less of a chance of winning than he does now. Joe even had Hunter Biden on the stage with him, and that's showing that he's not afraid to have an openly vulnerable and flawed individual, not just in his family, but standing side by side with him at his most important hour. Now, next week, the Third Reich, I mean Republican Party, will have their turn to show the country their vision for the next four years. I can only assume it will either be a glossy Stepford Wife retelling of what actually happened, or American Carnage Part 2. But be prepared for a little bit of both. They haven't exactly got Murderer's Row on the speakers list either. It's essentially everyone in the Trump family except that one daughter that nobody cares about, and a bunch of his favorite enablers. Oh, and I shit you not, I'm pretty sure the little standing rock asshole and the gun couple from St. Louis will be there as well. Not sure if Scott Bayo, Kurt Schilling, or Ted Nugent will be there, but I am quite positive they will be rooting from home while, sway- uh, while taking back copious amounts of Bud Light, Fireball Whiskey, and Buffalo Burgers. Also in news, Donald Trump is now literally on record accepting not just the legitimacy of, but the support from the QAnon conspiracy theory nutball movement saying that he doesn't know much about them, but if he if they like him, they must be all right. Uh, and when asked if he was literally sent by God to stop a satanic pedophile ring of liberal Democrats, he essentially replied, well, I do what I can to help out. All right, let's see, what else? Um, there's like a thousand wildfires burning in California, and there were reports of literal fire tornadoes, if that wasn't enough. Uh, yeah, that's a thing. Also, there's a very good possibility two hurricanes will be occupying the Gulf of Mexico at the same time, so we'll keep our eyes on that. And in the streets of Portland, uh, they continue to be an absolute nightmare. But this week, the inclusion of the far-right Proud Boys activists ignited clashes with their far-left Antifa counterparts, with many of the confrontations seemingly being allowed to transpire right in front of local law enforcement, which, needless to say, is a, you know... Pretty big departure from the heavy-handed tactics that were employed against the all-progressive crowds that had occupied the space until recently. And in late-breaking news Sunday night, Skellyanne, I mean Kellyanne Conway, said she would be stepping away from the Trump campaign at the end of the month, and her husband George Conway will be stepping away from the widely successful Lincoln Project as well, both stating they needed to focus on their family. This undoubtedly has something to do with a report that came out a little earlier in the night that their daughter was seeking clemency from both of their crazy asses. We will be following this one as well, and many more in the days to come. And now, in a born-to-be-mild first that I'm sure you will all enjoy, a conversation with an actual conservative. All right, joining us now is friend of the show and longtime friend of mine, Mr. John Zetz. John is a, what would you say your title is? Uh, I'm a supply chain planner at Goodyear Tire and Rubber. All right, so he is a supply chain homeboy for the Goodyear Tire and Rubber Corporation. 
the company who has taken quite a bit of heat and drew the ire of the president early last week for a slide that surfaced online stating that one of their distribution center's policies was not just against politically affiliated apparel, but the All Lives and Blue Lives Matter articles of clothing as well being worn in the workplace. Uh, now, as far as we can tell, and as much as the two movements may be intertwined, what got the ire of Trump and got his Cheetos all in a twirl wasn't the no Blue Lives Matter policy, but the no MAGA hat policy. So he sent out a tweet, as always, ad- you know, advising Americans to essentially boycott the, what is it, 100 and some year old company? Uh, yeah, to essentially buy their tires somewhere else. Uh Later that day, uh, I did see a photo that showed Goodyear tires are being used on the official presidential motorcade, and uh, they only speculated later that they might change, you know, change that affiliation, but no word as of yet. Um, but the damage has been done. I think they said that the stock had slid as much as six percent, um, and they had a, a rocky rest of the week. And Trump supporters, as far as the eye could see, were acting as though the Ohio-based company was turning their production from tires, essentially, to roadside incendiaries for Al-Qaeda. Uh, now, John has been a long-time conservative. Would you say both uh, fiscally and socially? Uh, correct, yes. Okay. Uh, but this tirade uh, might have been the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. So, John, thank you very much for being on the show. And why don't you give us a little introduction on what you do for this company? Okay, well, yeah, thanks for having me and uh, giving me this forum. Uh, So I'm very far upstream with the supply chain process, and uh, I'm responsible for overseeing the uh, 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 securing and delivering of um, a number of raw materials that go into the making of synthetic rubber. So it's called a Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company. Um, so it's not just tires. Uh, there's also um, golf balls and there's uh, the soles of shoes that we export to China. Keep mm-hmm. that in your back pocket. Keep in the, the, that, uh, that fact in the back pocket that this company exports to China. Right? Not too many people can say that. So we'll, we'll, we'll circle around back to that. Sure. But uh, I've been with... The chemical division in the Houston, Texas metro area for three years. Prior to that, I represented the company at the uh, North American Trade Associations. So I'm very well versed in the the ethics and the zero tolerance policies. Uh, being an outside ambassador for the company in prior roles, and um, to lesser extents, uh, being supplier facing in in this role. Um, so I'm, I'm with my fiance in a suburb of Houston, and we are very close to the Johnson Space Center with NASA. And uh, uh, NASA is very well integrated into our community, our daily lives. And she actually uh, is the teacher of um, several students whose parents are astronauts. And wow. Yeah, it's great. Like one, once a year, Colonel so-and-so will, will call down from this, um, uh, the space station and um, uh, wish holiday greetings to the children. It's, it's, it's big. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So, so keep that in your back pocket as well when, when I talk about the history of the company. And, and Sure. Fairly all-American, so to speak. Thank you. Yes. They're, they're, I'm sandwiched between these two great American institutions here. Uh, I'm happy. I, I Not moving here sooner was the greatest regret I have in life. It's a, uh, it surpassed New York City as the most diverse city in the country. It's... Um, uh, it, there's a big Mexican and Vietnamese population, so you know the food is good. Uh, <laughs> the, pe- the people are cool. Uh, the traffic sucks. There's always a hurricane, but uh, there's this, this sense of community that just it extends to the, the rest of the state of Texas. And Texas is not uh, the South necessarily. It's its own thing. It certainly is. You, you don't you don't really see Confederate flags around. It's not it's not that. It's you see Texas flags. Thank you. Yes, it's Texas. Yeah, and it's uh, just just a lot of pride, a lot of um, just just good identity. Uh, anyway, getting back to the company, getting focused. Um, I want to set the record straight on what the actual policy is. Um, I do need to make a disclaimer though that the views expressed on this podcast are mine. They do not necessarily reflect the views of Goodyear. Aside from aside from the public statements that the company released when we segue into other topics of discussion, those views are mine. Also, I'm not authorized to speak to a uh, uh, 
a news agency like ABC, NBC, CBS affiliate or uh, newspapers, uh, there is a domain uh, that I can share um, if there are further questions from press. There are people in corporate that are handling those inquiries. Yeah, luckily, like I said, I am credentialless, so we are good to go here. So please uh, speak freely. Okay, so continuing with what what was what was put in the slide versus what the reality is, there there is with, with the zero tolerance, it focuses on uh, sexual harassment, workplace violence, drugs and alcohol, uh, discrimination against. Um, gender or age or race like this this isn't this isn't liberal nonsense okay this is just like a, a common thing that happens with corporations. standard boilerplate acceptability in the workplace and i don't know who can disagree with that like how, how, how do you disagree with no you don't want sexual harassment in your workplace and you don't want somebody wearing a t-shirt with somebody's severed head or something that says fuck all this or that because that's just not appropriate Correct. Right. So the company is very clear that although it endorses, it, it, it encourages civic engagement with things that you want to be involved in the community and go ahead, vote. Uh, it stays apolitical. It is it is politically neutral. And uh, this 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 slide, it was a one off. It was from some guy. It was it was Topeka, Kansas, right? Correct. Yeah, there's a, a big tire facility there. Um, and uh, I don't know if it was, it's still under investigation. I, I probably couldn't speak to it anyways when the results come out of what happened, but um, it was likely a, a, a massive misinterpretation of what the policy is based off of a localized event that needed to be addressed by that local HR. Right. So, I mean, like that company or that small part of Goodyear probably comprises maybe 5% of the entire corporation. Um, I, I, I can't agree to that, that number specifically. I, I know that the Topeka facility is, is large and I, I'm not sure who was in that audience or who saw it. Okay. But it's, it's, the point is it's, it's removed from corporate and it's not an official policy. Right. right. And, uh, it's, it's, it's always just been, uh, a culture of, uh, just, just mutual respect. You don't want to get political with things because, uh, well, case in point, this this is what happens. Yeah, it foments division. Uh, so th that being said, though, um, it, the, the company has always had a foundational relationship with law enforcement and uh, fire, uh, first responders. Uh, there's uh, a, a number of municipal police departments that are good customers. It makes a lot of sense because, yeah, like you said, those are going to be customers in every city around the country. So why not be in good graces with those people? And there has never been any kind of suppression of an associate's expression to support law enforcement. So where, where this, this, this acceptable, not acceptable framework comes from, it just it doesn't make sense. And 7 a.m. in the morning, I, I'm, I'm getting all kinds of... Uh, it, it just just all hell breaks loose internally about this and all these statements are released and we have these meetings about what what, what we can and can't say and social media guidelines and so on mm. and it just it blows my mind that okay that's one thing that's that's one part of it there was a mistake that was made had some publicity um, the record got set straight almost immediately yeah so like corporation wide you know the 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 call came out like we're going to have some meetings on what is and isn't okay just so you guys know uh, right away yes right okay and I, I had been through the zero tolerance and diversity and ethics training you, you have to do it once a year uh about two weeks ago and um okay it's a fortune 200 company like they dump some money into the modules for these trainings like it's not reduced to a single crappy slide <laughs> right, but like so, essentially, that was one slide of many during just your regular annual uh, checkup on company policy. It, it's like that's the thing, though. The slide doesn't exist. Well, I mean, you know what I mean, like the actual slide or whatever that might talk about what is and isn't okay in terms of workplace attire. Yeah, yeah. There's 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 a module and there's like a, a portal that you log into and. They, uh, they have an outside firm that has uh, like like actors and situations and it's interactive and there's quizzes about it and <laughs> like it's 
it's not yeah it's it's just it's so frustrating because that all gets reduced to this 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 crappy slide like <laughs> so there are a lot of uh, bottom of the barrel actors that love those uh, that industrial work you know they get to fake like getting crushed by machinery <laughs> all that stuff and it gets played in the workplaces yeah and again it, it just it focuses on things like harassment and discrimination there's nothing in there about attire or political attire for that matter and okay th- that, that's that's extended to uh law enforcement as well like i, I prior you know with everything that's going on in the world prior to this i I don't know how supporting local law enforcement turned into like a big political statement. That's just where we're at in society right now. Even still, there's nothing in there that, that says you can't do it. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the other aspect of it is the the corporate environment that I'm in when when I'm, I'm supplier facing or uh, the, the occasional time even when I'm out at the site or the port or uh, on a pipeline. Uh, it's business casual or formal. And then the floor people, they're, they're always in protective equipment anyways, flame retardant equipment and uh, hard hats. Um, and official, official gear. gear. Yes. And then uh, there's the retail people who are in uniforms. So the yeah. only place that you would ever wear a, a MAGA or a BLM hat would be from the exit turnstile across the parking lot to your car to go. To your car. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it makes sense. So like, why, why is this even an issue to begin with? Okay, mm-hmm. so so that's that's the that's the first part about it. This is this is one of three that I've I've segmented. The okay. Second part is Trump is out of line for making this statement. This is coming from a conservative guy. I I like like a fool. I spent the past three and a half years advocating on his behalf when this whole Russia thing was going on. I, I called BS on it. And this this is my thanks. This is the thanks that I get, right? Because <laughs> you have been standing up for him uh, quite a few turns along the way. Yes, right. And uh, in hindsight, I'm thinking about this. Like, what what does the guy really accomplished? I'm looking at the the uh, the official White House list of accomplishments, and economy is strong, and African American unemployment is way down. And, well. America is doing what it does, all right? This, yeah. this, this, this can't be tied back to one particular policy. Yeah, it was it was nice. I got a little bit of a tax cut in 2018. That was cool. Uh, but otherwise, there's no signature piece of legislation that he signed. It's just... Sure. In terms of the momentum of the economy, it's kind of a continuum uh, on, and it's never really based on one administration unless there is some real landmark thing going down. Right. And okay, it's 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 kind of fun to watch him call Jim Acosta fake news. Like, all right, I like the bravado, I like the arrogance, uh, but there's there's got to be a line, and it, it it was it was crossed. It was it was it was kind of emotional because I you look at the the history of Goodyear and the facility that I'm in right now. Uh, it got its start in 1937, and then. It used to be a government-owned facility, and then um, Goodyear doubled down during World War II to uh, come up with a uh, synthetic rubber formula uh, after the Japanese had taken over the plantations in Southeast Asia. Okay. So uh, this facility that I'm working at, uh, it made belts and hoses and uh, ventilators and and, um, oxygen masks for pilots. All for the war effort. Yes, right. So it was, okay. it was, it was an integral part of uh, the war effort. A uh, few, few years later, in 1942, Goodyear got the contract to build the Corsair fighter, the, the aircraft itself. Uh, and then tying that into NASA in, in uh, I believe, 1971, Apollo 14 put a, a, a lunar rover on the moon that had your tires on it exactly yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah this is this is the community i'm 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 sorry i uh it, it's it's still bothering me well i mean it, the the point i think is is that this man will turn his back on that type of institution at the drop of a dime because he gets so offended so quickly the most thin-skinned of any person to ever occupy this high of an office and i knew this you know i've, I've always known this and it, it's it's something i i either dismissed or looked the other way 
uh, because I like the the general message, and it, it, there, there was there was good momentum there for for a couple of years, and I was generally happy with the status quo. Uh, relatively, for for lack of a better term, uh, ignorant to how this was impacting other people, right? Sure, because if you're inside the uh, circle of trust, everything is hunky dory. Exactly right. And uh, people always call uh, profits and investment as, as a four-letter word. But like when you're the investor, when this is this is good for you, then you really don't see the fault in it. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I I can't do it. I can't vote for the guy. I I, I didn't vote for him in 2016. I need to clear okay. that up. I I would have, but I was working late. I went to happy hour afterwards. I, I just didn't I didn't feel like waiting in line. And did you think it was a foregone conclusion that uh, Clinton was going to win? I did. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. A lot of us did. I went to bed going that night, pretty well convinced. I was eighty five percent, and um, not as fine with that. I knew what I was working with. I we had eight years of Obama. I I thought Clinton was going to be an extension of that. I, I sure knew how to adapt in that environment, which you know between you and me and the audience for that matter <laughs> it really wasn't that bad right <laughs> it really wasn't it wasn't uh radical in any way because he's a he ended up being a pretty centrist figure and more of a uniter than a divider if yeah you want to you want to debate the finer points of the affordable care act that's one thing but but I now you're talking about, about policy, policy not tenor and tone where we are now yeah exactly like i know obama went after oil and gas pretty hard but he didn't he didn't like single out a single company no, and not that I not that I remember, anyways. But he didn't make him out to be enemy of the state, enemy of the people, like using the type of rhetoric that Trump uses on a regular basis. Uh, it's just, I'm just so nauseated over it. In all fairness, this 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 isn't going to, it's not going to push me into the the Democrats' arms necessarily. I don't know. Maybe I'll I'll think about that libertarian character. I I, I flirt with libertarianism once in a while, but. No, he's he's Trump is done in my book, and that segues into part three of this. Okay, uh, the pushback that I'm getting from other conservatives. Okay, now all right. Now my question is: when you're talking about being pushed into another camp, and you're not going to be essentially a lefty all of a sudden, do you consider yourself uh, simpatico with the Never Trump movement, the Lincoln Project type people? Uh, people who might consider themselves old guard conservatives who just don't like what Trumpism has done to the party. I do not. No, I, I never really liked that message because I thought that they were trying to placate a uh, generally left-wing media establishment. Um, I, I don't think that they're as principled as they really make themselves out to be. Uh, like the Bill Crystals of the world, I think that they're they're just trying a different angle because they're own legacy of, uh, of their, their, their publications and their message it, it just it isn't working anymore and they're just going for a different angle so okay. like, I, I just I don't identify with that crew now but would you say that you would maybe identify with conservatism as it existed 10 to 15 years ago uh, he, he, the vestiges of the Reaganism yeah, there's elements of that too. I am forward-looking, though. I like the conservative uh, message from uh, Dan Crenshaw, uh, Kimberly Klasik. Um, I, I like the the younger batch that they're pragmatic about things going forward. They recognize that there's um, there's no black and white to a lot of these things that we need to take like a, a good focused approach on. Um, problem solving and that's willing to accept and concede and. They understand that there's give and take. Like like Dan Crenshaw, for example, he's um, uh, Texas here in Houston. Um, he caught a bunch of heat for red flag laws for for um, gun purchases. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong or anything that goes against the Second Amendment for having a red flag law. Uh, yeah, if you've been hospitalized multiple times and have all kinds of domestic uh, violence charges um, yeah, maybe you shouldn't own a weapon just just saying absolutely so it's more a uh, a bit of a common sense approach to policies that just used to just be part of the uh, doctrine yeah and I don't want to I don't want to get too far into this but uh, like like the border wall is another one okay 
Um, I've, I've been to the southern border. I've, I've waded across the Rio Grande. I may, I may at one point have actually illegally entered Mexico. You know, <laughs> okay, so, yeah, yeah, sure. And won't hold that against you. The the uh, the environment is the wall. Okay. Right. Absolutely. Some of it is just completely superfluous. It's come from many, many sources. And if you're being pragmatic about application as well as spending, you would never demand that it be put up in every single inch of the border. Exactly. Yes, exactly. So you know, if, you, if you're able to walk 50 miles across that desert in daylight, you win. You're in. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you won. You win, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so like like Crenshaw's uh, vision is, we don't need two thousand miles of border wall, uh, but there needs to be certain um, uh, choke points. Uh, there needs to be a way to, to funnel people in because, uh, like it or not, fact of the matter is, there's still going to be trafficking of uh, all kinds of varieties, human, drugs, so on and so right. forth. There's still that element that comes in. We want immigrants in this country. We love immigrants. And you have to have places to process. So instead of having this 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 free for all where we we have limited manpower monitoring this whole place, this there's just this however many thousands of miles of of, of a uh, southern border, there's places where you can focus, and then um, all of a sudden you eliminate the need for these detention facilities. Uh, you you have resources to direct right at those places. I don't know why that's controversial. Like, like it's a pragmatic approach to the problem, and it's something that that would garner some sort of bipartisan support. I think if if we just we just got over this, whatever it is we're in right now. Yeah, if yeah, we got out of our camps for two seconds. Thank you. Uh, so, anyways, um, back on back on task. Uh, part three of this is the just just the the backlash I've gotten from conservative friends, including some members of my own family. They're in complete disbelief that Trump is wrong about this, and uh, they're they're disappointed in the company. They're disappointed in the CEO's statements. <laughs> they're never going to buy Goodyear tires again. Like, guys, you're you're hearing this from the horse's mouth. Yeah, but did you see the slide? Yes, I saw the slide. <laughs> like, get over it. It had nothing to do with the actual voice of the corporation. And I'm telling you, it had nothing to do with the corporate policy. Well, then why did they have it? It's like, oh my gosh! Because right, it's it's there's there's seventy thousand people that work for this company in fourteen different countries. Like it's corporate is not all knowing. Like there there's going to be one guy that slips through once in a while. Yeah, but they're not willing to give anyone a pass on that. They're not willing to let bygones be bygones, or you know, let one thing slide because it's just it's time for outrage. And I'm not going to tell people how they how to vote. If, if, if friends and family they, they still want to support Trump, that, that's fine. Uh, it, it's obviously affecting me more personally, just not financially or anything. I mean, I'm still going to be fine because we—that's another topic. But you still have to bring over the raw materials. You still have to make the tires. I think I think you guys, even with a six percent decrease, if that happened annually, you're still going to have a position. Yes, correct. And we also have a lot of external customers as well. So it's not just the, the Goodyear. Uh, plants that yeah, and it's not just domestic. domestic. Yeah, um, so uh, it, it was it was eye opening to see the the uh, the Trump cult, which which you had talked to me about before, and you said it was a concern, and like I I, I sort of saw it. Maybe I just I, I just turned a blind eye to it. So last weekend I was with uh, one of my friends from Louisiana. We were looking at a piece of property that he bought. Um, about a four-hour drive away. It's a beautiful part of the country, and it's 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 on a lake. And um, but all right, so there's Louisiana, there's Louisiana, Cajun country, and New Orleans, everything south of I-10, and then there's Louisiana. Right. So this was the latter. Uh huh. And we stopped for burgers at this place, and there were um, a group of kids. I don't know, early twenties, and they were they were arguing over who had the latest Trump 2020 t-shirts like like it was it was like like a fresh pair of Nike's designer yes like, like <laughs> designer like, like legit arguments about this and it, it, it's funny like we walked into the place we were, we're, we're from the uh, the city you know this big cosmopolitan city it's like it's like the record scratched to a stop and everybody looks at us at the front door 
<laughs> you might as well have been from New York City. I know, right? <laughs> so there's a um, a guy out in the parking lot that has a tent, and he's selling Trump 2020 paraphernalia of all sorts. There's koozies and and COVID face masks, flags, and T-shirts. And first thing he says, we walk up. Where are you all from? <laughs> uh, nice. Like, like fine. How do you do? Like, like, uh, I don't know, three hours in that direction. <laughs> and and um, I'm looking at all this stuff. And it's all made in China. It's all made in oh, China. Oh, sure. This is, it, I, and it's obviously not official gear. This is something the local printer just made up. Right. And so here, here we are. Here's, here's, here's Goodyear that's like, that, that's exporting to China. And then coming back is Trump 2020 stuff. And then Trump goes after the company that is putting tires on Lunar Road. Well, sure. It's a little antithetical to the cause and to the message, just the same way Steve Bannon grifting all that money off of small donations from Build the Wall supporters is. I mean, a, a lot of it is farce. And when they get down to it, um, they're, they're not going to admit it until they get caught with their pants down. Right. Um, so, all right. So where were you when it was time for Trump to call out boycotting the NFL? Because I think that's a fairly similar situation, except there was no, um, the message was very clear. Whereas this was a message that went out that wasn't the actual, um, voice of the company. When, when Colin Kaepernick took a knee for essentially, you know, racial injustice at the hands of the police. There was no um, mixing that message. That's exactly what it was for. And he asked many Americans to stand against the NFL because this man was standing for that cause. Right. So with, with, with the NFL, I thought that he was out of line because he didn't make it's, it's not his place to, to make that statement that this is still a great U.S. institution and regardless of what they're doing, all right, if the, the NFL uh, came out and said that they were in cahoots with the Communist Party of China or something, all right, that's a different story because then it turns into like a national security issue and all that and just down that rabbit hole. But no, he should not have said that. People can make their own judgment about things. Um, I didn't necessarily disagree with it, uh, the, the, the sentiment. He shouldn't have made the statement, though. And... Think about right, the, because essentially the NFL was basically standing for someone's First Amendment right to protest how they see fit within the confines of the um, collective bargaining agreement of that corporation. Right, and what's what's funny about the NFL case is how the the the, the Trump cult has misconstrued that message. So. This was in, I believe, twenty. I think the twenty seventeen season or the twenty sixteen uh -huh. season. Yeah. When that first started, I don't think Kaepernick thought that it was going to turn into what it did, and he he made a stand, and it was it was because he uh, he was upset about racial injustice and legacy injustice. That spun into this thing where he hates the military. Right. Well, I mean, now the NFL has wrapped itself in the cloak of the military for a long time now, and. You don't really see fighter jets going over um, the U.S. Open tennis tournament. Yeah. Um, but you do see Blue Angels or whatever coming over stadiums where the pigskin's being thrown. Um, so they are entrenched in one another. So it was easy for Trump to conflate that with one another. And it made it all too easy. And, and actually, famously, Colin Kaepernick actually sat during the anthem for the first couple games, I believe. And then he talked to, I think, a Green Beret friend or associate of his or someone he got put in contact with and asked him what the best way would be for him to show his displeasure with a certain aspect of the American society while not denigrating the flag and the anthem itself. And so that's what he came up with. And if you look at... Um, if you look at the reverence that you, is usually associated with kneeling for something, it's usually not a disrespectful act. So I think he thought he was doing something that wasn't going to catch as much heat as it did. But then, you know, as soon as a couple tweets started rolling out, everyone was taking sides really quick. Right. So that what you just said, the, the 20 second explanation of what really happened. Yeah, I didn't see that anywhere in a tweet. I didn't see that anywhere on Fox News. Uh, that it, it, It's just... It no, it's only one-sided on the story, and you're not going to get all the information, especially if you're listening to that channel. All right. 
So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not mad at Colin Kaepernick and, uh, or, or what this has turned into and to, to another degree, the NBA as well, but it's, uh, it's a damn Twitter Ron. It's, it's, just, <laughs> you, you can't take Now, do you think anything. that Trump should have access to a Twitter account? No, <laughs> you can't, you can't take these issues. All these complicated social issues and and policy issues and things like international trade, you can't reduce that to 140 characters or less. Or what or or, or what he he typically does is go on these parades and and has like like four back to back tweets and it's all disjointed and all caps. Oh yeah, right. Getting the point across. And misspelled. I mean, I think he just misspelled Melania as Melanie just today when talking about the Rose Garden remodel. <laughs> I'll, I'll give a pass on the typos. Kofife uh, might be a little bit much, but that lives in infamy. Sorry. <laughs> no, but um, yeah. So I, I know it's tough going, and I'm sure that you're not going to be able to change anybody's mind on what they think about Goodyear. But I, I, you know, I have to appreciate the fact that you don't believe that someone that high of an office should be able to bypass the official channels and essentially make policy from the toilet like right away right away (laughs) there was no investigation there was no contacting the 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 ceo it was it was just like sitting on the toilet in the morning reading a headline from some local news station in topeka kansas and probably not reading the full article yes (laughs) <laughs> that's just it i mean you know like we can probably talk about QAnon in a later date but just the the platform that this man gives to so many incendiary and really fallacious topics is legendary and it's done nothing but hurt the, the country's discourse and their ability to tell right from wrong uh yeah i agree um so i uh it's 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 a bit unprecedented. I know that social media was just it was kind of in its infancy in 2008. Um, I know Obama with the uh, the White House they had their official Facebook pages and everything. It wasn't it wasn't every day nonstop with the damn tweeting. No, and not only that, I think he famously had to give up his BlackBerry. I don't know how Trump was able to keep his private phone. That was actually a big deal at the beginning of his presidency that he said, "I'm not giving it up," and they were just like, "Okay." Yeah, so, so here we are four years later. And- <laughs> exactly. I think maybe if we could have chosen a different path back then, we would be in a different place right now. Yeah, so I guess my, my, my takeaway is uh, reiterating that the company is neutral on politics. Uh, this this thing was a whole farce. It was, it was just it was bad timing. It got out of control with the press. It's not what the company stands for. Goodyear is, Goodyear is NASCAR. Goodyear is the blimp at the college games. Goodyear is putting tires on lunar rovers. It's building aircraft and helping out with war efforts in World War II. It's it's innovative. It's forward looking. I've I've co-authored white papers on uh, autonomous and electric vehicles. Where where we're going with the future with that? They mm-hmm. did all kinds of sustainability ratings. Um, it's it, it's it's the company that I know and love for five years. I want I want my my future with them, and um, they've they've. It, 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 and they do make some really kick-ass soles. I saw some Adidas back in the day that had some Goodyear uh, like race car driver soles on the shoes. They were badass. That's <laughs> funny. Uh, but it's, <laughs> it, it's, to, to, to see it maligned like this is just it, it's it's uh, I'm, I'm I'm just out of steam with it. I, I don't know where else to go. So that, that, that's that's my message. Number one and number two, uh, it's okay to have self inquiry. Uh, I'm not that insecure with myself where. I was wrong about this guy for a few years. Uh, if this is what it takes to change my mind about things, uh, that's fine. And third, uh, don't fire and forget all this 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 drive-by media stuff. I, I'm I, I uh, have an issue with with Limbaugh as well. Rush Limbaugh. I listen to Rush Limbaugh my entire life, and. Oof. <laughs> Uh, now, if it just happens to be on in one of the cars that I'm in during the day, I turn it off right away. But sometimes I'll slip 10 to 15 seconds in, and it's like it's like I never turned it off. It's like he's never stopped talking since the last time I listened. Yeah, right. He has he's not changed, changed a bit. Um, anyway, he uh, he did an entire segment on it on on Wednesday on that day. 
hours after Trump tweeted something, and he he's the guy who invented the term drive-by media. Sure. And he, he he's partaking in it. Yeah, I mean, and not only that, but Trump's, you know, famous call nowadays is to um, to call out cancel culture as he sees it, and yet he seems to be the king of it. That is a great point, and I, I am so against cancel culture in all of its forms, and you, you have uh, these, these university professors who have students outside their office calling for the guy's head because he required Huckleberry Finn as, as reading for the semester. Mm-hmm. Like, on one hand, it's kind of funny because they, they kind of like, like dug their own hole, but at the same point, no, we can't be doing this as, as a society. We can't be canceling stuff. We can't just pick apart what, what, what of the First Amendment we like and don't like. Now, my, my, my best framing of the two sides of right versus left has been one side never apologizes and the other side never forgives. But you could say in a lot of ways Trump is both and Trumpism is both. I don't think that there's anything that he can do to redeem himself in my mind. I, it, it would have to be like a genuine, well thought out, mea culpa apology with the caveat that this will never happen again. Ah, <laughs> I think I forget what podcast I was listening to this week, but if uh, Trump ever said to you, trust me on anything, <laughs> wouldn't you just laugh to yourself immediately? Because, you know, that's not even possible. Uh, I'm just I'm just sick over it. And you know, <laughs> he all right. He, he know he, he has his, his TV shows. He has his hotels. Stick to the TV shows and the hotels. That's what you know. Don't don't, don't get into this. Don't don't get into my business. Don't get into my great U.S. institution because you're, you're just and, and the, the, the cohorts that are just, just blindly following this, just blindly following it. Uh, now, y- y'all really need to question your, your loyalty to where you stand with, with how you feel about your own country. Sure. Also, and your loyalty to the truth, because I think once we started getting away from that and uh, factual evidence, we started going down a pretty slippery path. But um, I will say that if he loses, you won't have to worry about a thing. He will go right back to his businesses and to TV right away. We'll probably see a Trump network within months if he decides to leave without being forcibly removed, of course. <laughs> right. right. It's, it's, it's to be seen. Uh, I don't want to get too deep into the, uh, the 2020 election. It's a, it's, a, it's a whole other hour. But, um... <laughs> well, I want to thank you very much for coming on and sharing your story. It was really informative, and I think everybody will appreciate having listened to it. Okay. Yeah, I, I appreciate the forum. And uh, if, if there's any questions from the press, there there is there's domain that uh, we're being directed to um, – give people if that issue should come up so uh yeah let me know if there's anything okay yeah i will actually put that link in the show notes if anybody wants to have some follow-up information sure okay all right right. thank Thank you very much for joining me man all right thank you sir And finally, to wrap up this week's show, we have the long-awaited podcast debut of my lovely wife, Brittany. Say hello to all the folks, lady. Hello, all the folks, lady. (laughs) (laughs) She's a peach. Uh, So yeah, I've been wanting to have you on forever, and uh, this podcast got real lonely real quick, so I'm glad you were able to come in here for a little guest spot. I was really far away in the bedroom. Well, it's been really nice having you back home. You were gone, uh, essentially away with my family, visiting in the over 55 enclave that they've been quarantined in down in uh, Fort Myers. And you were with them for 10 days, but it felt like an eternity. So it's really nice to have you back. Um, It's nice to be back. And it felt like an eternity, but then it also felt like just a couple days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it... You know, it's a lot like 2020. It feels like forever, but it also went by in the blink of an eye. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's still March. So exactly. It's always going to be March now forever. <laughs> so par for the course. Um, so tell everybody how you uh, spent your time down there, hanging out with the old folks and showing off our little star of a, uh, a daughter. Um, you know, we did the uh, show of the baby 
and what tricks we could think of to um, exploit that day. <laughs> and then we made sure that she made friendly with the grandparents that she hasn't gotten a chance to uh, really bond with. And that is now a thing of the past. Yeah, you got to let them give them the full five-star doting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I also was treated to very fancy meals regularly. Um, your stepfather, Kevin, hooked it up. Um, he loves being in the kitchen. He does, and he doesn't let anyone help him. Yeah. But he totally let me help him. Not once, but twice. So I feel like I'm really like part of the family. So then when I left, it was my family too. Not like they weren't already because we've been married for a while, but... Yeah, but if you not only get to break bread, but you get to help bake bread with somebody, you are you're in the fold now. Yeah, so that was kind of a big deal. And then just getting a chance to hang out with your mom late night, um, playing games, and you know she swore at me a little bit, so it made me feel really at home. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you know, when I'm over with your family, <laughs> I think something's up if they're not swearing at me. <laughs> <laughs> and I meant because you swear at me. <laughs> But yeah, so I mean, it sounds like you had a really good time and I was here and although my time away from you guys was okay in that I was able to sleep in until 8 a.m. without the baby and whatever, uh, it was kind of lonely and um, I just spent my days essentially doing housework and then um, binge watching Succession <laughs> as much as I could at the end of the night. I know that you... Uh, you haven't gotten on that tip yet, but I think I found a tie that binds with one of the shows that you've watched before, uh, Billions. Yeah, which you need to get down with because it's so good. Uh, I The jury's still out in my mind on that one. I haven't heard from enough reliable sources, as I like to say, that it's a, that it's a, a home run, but, you know, uh, some people like it. So In the Battle of Marriage... Nothing you can say is ever okay until it's verified by an outside source. So I don't expect you to watch Billions, but I'll never watch Succession until you do. And you'll just be missing out. But um, I have a question because apparently this little delicacy has been featured on both shows. Have you ever heard of Ortolan? Yeah, that's that tiny bird that they ate in um, season three. Okay, so not only do you, you know about it, but you know which season. That's great. So I'm still only on season one of Succession. They're long episodes. What are you going to do? I but you've heard of Ortolan before, too, because I told you about it after I watched the episode, seeing if you knew about it, and you were trying to date impress me, probably, and said, yeah, you did, <laughs> but it sounds like you didn't. Uh, all right, so it depends on what part of our relationship we were in, whether or not I was placating you or half listening, but... It's very likely that that was the case. Um, well, I, the question is, how did they depict it in the show? And what do you know about it? Because this shit is off the chain. Okay, so I know that it's illegal to eat in certain countries. And I know you have to eat its feet first and you eat the whole bird at once. But not the beak, because I think if you eat the beak, it will probably like tear through intestines or something. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> but apparently all the bird bones are nice and soft and have a good uh, marrow component to them or whatever. Yeah, I didn't know that marrow thing, but I did know you could eat, You, I mean, the bones had to be soft. Yeah, little bird bones. Absolutely. And you just eat one. Yeah, you only get to eat one. But did you know that you have to eat it under a sheet? Yeah, they put their heads underneath of a linen. Yes. Yeah. And do you know why? That I don't know. I thought it was just like to hide your shame or something. That's right. Oh, really? Yeah, it's originally so that you could be hidden from the eyes of God. No. <laughs> yeah. And why are they eating it, though? All right. Well, because apparently it's really delicious. And it's another technical name for it is Ortolan bunting. That's apparently what it's called. Okay. But the way that they prepare this is the sickest part of it and kind of why it's reason for shame. Now... It's uh, banned originally in France and then more recently in America because it's a protected species. Not that it's endangered, but it's just a fucking songbird and isn't supposed mm -hmm. to be eaten, you know. Um, but this is like uh, the foie gras equivalent, equivalent of birds. I think they might have said that in the episode. Did or, they? I think maybe they did. Okay, because that's what happened. So... All right, now either you put it in the dark once you capture it, or you purposefully blind it 
first, <laughs> okay? And then you set it with all these grains. And apparently, either when it's blind or in the dark, it just keeps eating constantly. So you wait until it eats like twice its body weight, and it fattens itself up, and then you drown it in brandy. Ew, babe. <laughs> yeah, I swear to God. Did you learn this on Succession, or did you look it up? No, I had to look it up. Oh, see, now I'm still not interested in watching Succession. If they taught you things, I'd watch it. Well, I mean, it was cool enough that, like, at the end of this extravagant meal, this was, like, the topper. So I had to find out about this because it sounded like it had so much intrigue. Do you want me to get you one? Yeah, if you can find me one, as long as you prepare it in that fashion, I'm not going to watch, but I'll eat it. But the thing about it, like, being eaten feet first, you leave the beak, crunch it all up, and you, you, oh sounds insane i mean i'd probably throw up if i tried but like they don't drain its blood or anything no they just cook all the insides together that's what's supposed to make it delicious oh well it said it kind of has that liver taste you know what i mean well there's probably a little bird in our house you can eat there might be (laughs) i mean well there was a sparrow that got in the house while you were gone and it died somehow but (laughs) it's underneath the stairwell and i can't find it i'll send vivian for it We'll get it out eventually. No, for you to eat. No, to get it it's already all nasty. Maybe it's in the dark, just eating. When until the exterminator it guy came over, he said, <laughs> "Just give it a week, and it'll be dehydrated like a potato chip." <laughs> so mm-hmm. I kind of felt at ease and felt like it wasn't something I needed to get to right away. Whatever. All right, fair. They wrapped up the chimney, and we should be fine from now on. No more birds. If another bird comes, though, I'm gonna feed it. You got to get to it quick, and it has to be alive. You have to drown it in something, or I'll... I'll drown it in Buffalo Trace. All right, I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) See, guys, she treats me really well. Um, Well, this has been a great little introduction to the podcast, and I just wanted to make sure that my listening audience was very familiar with you and your uh, (laughs) comedic stylings. I'll be back. Yeah, she also has her own really, really great podcast. It's called Bossy Besties, so go check it out on all the platforms where you find your podcasts as well as this one. And uh, thank you very much for being on. Thanks for having me. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) I love you very much. I love you too. (laughs) All right, guys. And that will do it for this week's Born to be Mild. I will be back on my lonesome tip one more time, probably seven days hence. And uh, we will talk to you again real soon.